All Olympics are unique, but the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games are already standing out as one of the most memorable, in part because of the athletic performances, but also the context in which they were held and the human message they've been a stage for. After further medical evaluation to focus on her mental health, it's been announced Simone Biles is out of the all-around, which is tomorrow night here in Tokyo. For some, these are the last games, a way to confidently punctuate an already golden legacy. I mean, I've been in this sport for 13 years. When you think of long jump, I'm pretty sure you'll think of me. For others, these games have been the proving ground for ideas and approaches that a mere 18 months ago might have seemed impossible. This was hard as broadcasters, it was hard as journalists, it was hard as coaches and athletes and officials and organizers, but we all did it. Just like any good party, getting here was half the adventure. We met new people, I'm Kate Nye. My name is Lassie Craddock. I'm Zalila Mohammed. Chris uh, My name is Jagri. Uh, I'm Chase Kalish. Ray Saunders, USA, Tracking Field. The conversation was enlightening. Well, it's okay to be human. It's okay to make mistakes. Like, look at how many people still love Simone. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot of And some serious moves were thrown down. They've agreed to share the gold medal, and that is what it means to Zambari. Tonight, the lights will be turned up one last time. From NBC Sports, this is The Podium, a podcast about the Tokyo Olympic Games. Coming to you daily during the Games, we'll bring you the story shaping the greatest athletic competition in all the world, held in extraordinary times. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. Although many questions remain to be answered coming into Tokyo, some boarded their flights to Japan knowing exactly where they stood. The mission leave the field of play with a mic drop. Got something up her sleeve. And Brittany Reese, the two-time Olympic medalist, the Olympic champion, looking for another gold. So she's into the final as well. Brittany Reese, USA, women's long jump. You have a resume for days, and I want to do it justice. Can you give us a brief overview of all your accomplishments? Okay. um, Olympic gold in 2012. uh, Olympic silver in 2012. 16, Olympic Silver, obviously, in 2021. Um, Four-time world championship, um, outdoor, three indoor, and I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. Does that make you the GOAT of women's long jump? Of course. (laughs) Uh, The medal speaks for themselves. I mean, I've been in this sport for 13 years, and when you think of long jump, I pretty sure you'll think of me. What stands out to me is the back-to-back wins. Is it more difficult than the first wins in some cases? It's really hard. Um, There's always somebody new coming up. Um, It could be your year. It could be injuries. It could be so much that can play into that. Um, But um, I've been grateful to be able to attend four Olympics, so I'm blessed. You make it sound like these are your last games. Is that right? 
Yes, this will be my last one. Yes. So what's your view on leaving with silver? I would have liked to leave on a golden note, but had that not happened um, today, it is fine. But um, I'm just, again, I have 11 total medals, so you, there's no reason to complain. <laughs> Definitely not. Have you ever had a chance to go to a closing ceremony? A closing ceremony? No. <laughs> uh, I'm a homebody. I like to be at home. So um, when I'm overseas, I just like to do what I got to do and go home. I just want to experience the open ceremonies, and I did that. So that was fine. What about Olympic and emotional hangovers? Do you need to nurse one when you get home? I do. It's a lot going on. You know, um, I'm from a small town in Mississippi, so every time I'm home, it's a, it's a big deal. So I'm pretty sure this one's going to be a big deal. So it's a... It's going to be continuous for the next, probably the rest of the month. <laughs> yeah, you got to rest a little, right? So if this is your last Olympics and you've been the dominant force in your event for, gosh, over a decade, who's coming up behind you in the long jump? Uh, you've seen the, the girl that won today. This is her. She won in 19, if I'm not mistaken, world championships and then now an Olympic gold for her. Um, the girl that got third is S.A. Bruin. She medaled in 2019 also, and now she medaled in um, the Olympics. And then for America, it would be Tara Davis. She jumped um, over seven meters this year, and she broke Jackie Jonas Kersey as a record. And so I feel like those are the, th the main three for me that are up and coming. What's the mark in the sand you're leaving them with? What impact did Brittany Reese have on long jump? Uh, I feel like I think my competitors are glad I'm retiring. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's I've changed in any kind of way, but I feel like I just made my presence known. And uh, hopefully I inspired a lot of them to work hard and, and try to, to maintain and keep the long jump going afloat. Hopefully you remember me as a competitor, as a beast, as a person who um, in, want to inspire um, the youth, um, I feel like I've done everything that I've been placed on this earth to do as a long jumper. Um, again, my medals speak for myself, speak for themselves. Um, hopefully they remember me as the greatest long jumper ever. That's forever, right? What about for you in the immediate? What's next? Yeah, so I'm going to take six months off and then I'm going to figure out my life. Uh, I do inspire to be a coach one day, so maybe I'll throw my name out in some schools and see what happens. Are you good with endings in general of a movie, of a party, of a part of one's career? Yes, I'm pretty good with it. Um, I haven't cried yet. Um, I think it will happen maybe later on when I'm on the plane or something. I will cry. and But I had the opportunity on the podium to reflect. And I'm at peace with what I what I did today and at peace with my career. So um, we will see if I cry later on. <laughs> Brittany, what about the rest of the world? We got to all share these two weeks together through performances like yours. It kind of anchored us in the present. Some people may feel sad it's over and happy it happened. What's the right approach, do you think? Well, I think the Olympics is was the first chance chance for the world to come together and watch something together. Like the Olympics to me brings everybody together. And uh hopefully, you know, when it's over that we continue to um share those type of memories together as a as a planet or as the world, whatever. But um 
Yeah, once it's over, I'm I I I'm a be sad it's over too, but I think football season is up next, so <laughs> I think everybody will be fine because football is coming. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next. Mike Tarico, it's last call on this Olympic party. You'll be making the actual final call on the closing ceremony broadcast. Tell us your closing ceremony plans and what we can expect. Well, for me, closing ceremony, I'll be here at the studio on both the beginning and the end of our coverage. I think the closing ceremony is going to feel a little different because the athletes had to leave after their competition. So you're not going to have as many athletes there. I also think the closing ceremony usually has more of a party feel uh, than an opening ceremony. And when you look at the opening ceremony, they probably smartly avoided uh, anything that was frivolous or looked like it was a huge celebration. It was more of an appropriate and proper tone. So I think the closing ceremony, like the opening ceremony, will feel different than maybe the organizers had planned, different than we've seen in past games, but might also be a chance for an appreciation of the Japanese people and the organizers for pulling this off. This was hard as hard can be. And the fact that it's happened without a major outbreak um, is one, we're all thankful for it, but also it's pretty impressive. It absolutely is. And now it's time to go. What's your strategy, your move for leaving parties? Um, the middle of the pack, quick exit with a thank you to the host and out is the way I try to exit a party. Not, not, not the full, just leave out the side door before nobody notices. But uh, I like to be there to watch it start to dwindle. I guess you don't want to miss any of the good time, right? Uh, I, I feel bad for the people who are back home, the athletes who are back home, because they're going to miss the end of the party here. And there is a lot to celebrate, although you know, as we look around at variants for COVID and everything else, there's, there's not a lot to celebrate right now around the world. I, I think of the Olympics as a great spirit. And I think the spirit of athletes, organizers, media, I think that spirit was really leaned on to succeed here. And I think that's part of the reason this got pulled off. I think people sacrificed. Uh, I, I know I haven't been out in Tokyo. I miss it. I hate not being out. This is one of the great cities in the world. And my life has been our hotel, our set, and the International Broadcast Center. And I haven't been out to have a meal, even though I've cleared quarantine 11 or 12 days ago, I just don't feel it's right to mix in with the people from the city. That's uh, part of the concern that a lot of folks had uh, about ha having the games, given this atmosphere. So uh, same thing with the closing ceremony. I don't think it's going to be that, uh, man, we did it. Let's let our hair down and celebrate. I think it's going to be, uh, let's all safely mark the moment, know that the Olympic movement's going to go to Paris in three years, and let's close the close the door pretty pretty quickly and get back to wherever we need to get back to safely. Yeah, safety was obviously the big question of these games, which is unique, right? Because we generally talk about how healthy these athletes are, not about how sick we could get. Did you have apprehensions before the games? I don't think I had personal apprehensions about coming here given COVID and everything that was going on. But I, I think we all had apprehension about the opportunity to see the games start and finish. Um, we, we've seen so many sports pull this off, but this was a different one. This is people coming from every continent, uh, people coming from 200 plus countries and territories. 
it was different when you were pulling people from the same country to go in a bubble and go play basketball. So I think my apprehension was more about could you bring the world together and safely create a bubble? But I think when you step back and look at it, the IOC and the Tokyo Organizing Committee did a marvelous job of a plan, very data-intense, deep strainer, if you will, of any COVID coming in to the games. And while there were a few positive tests, and the numbers are just fabulous compared to anything else in the world. So uh, if I was apprehensive, I was probably less apprehensive because of hearing about the testing and the plan. And I came away even more impressed than I possibly thought I could have been. So what's your takeaway, Mike? What will you remember these games by? I think I will walk away from these games with two things a very different appreciation of what the athletes go through to get here. I know they sacrifice. We've told their stories for generations before I got to the NBC Olympic family and now my five years and three games is a part of it. But I think the athletes told a different story this time around. They told the story of their mental challenges and the loneliness of being a star. And I think I'll appreciate athletes in a different way going forward now. And I will also leave these games with such an appreciation for the team that gets the individual here. The parents, the spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, grandparents, whatever it is. I think they were really celebrated because they weren't here in a very different way. And I think we saw more parents than we usually do at Olympic Games Uh, because we were at their house or they were at the watch party at Universal in Orlando. And we got to really focus on what they meant. And the distance of the athletes to their families at this moment of accomplishment is going to stick with me for a long time. And and I, I think we sometimes forget about it. But for me, I'll walk away with a much longer lasting appreciation for the people who helped get the athletes here. And I think I'll walk away from from this experience with that. I will also walk away from this Olympics with great belief in the human spirit. We are, uh, we are resilient beings. And I think COVID tested that. And we thought, okay, now we can kind of move on. And we've been reminded here over the last few months, we're not ready to move on to a normal life that we knew two, three years ago. And that resiliency and sacrifice was tested again. And This was hard as broadcasters, it was hard as journalists, it was hard as coaches and athletes and officials and organizers, but we all did it. You know, you'll look back in 20 years and this Olympics will have been contested very similarly to the other Olympics before and those that come after. And it got pulled off in the middle of a global pandemic, the likes of which we haven't seen in a century. Walk away with that feeling and knowing that we all played a little part in that. I think it's something that will stick with us in a different way for the rest of our lives. It's a good way to think of it. Something greater than yourself, right? I'm so curious about the last call for you. Do you prepare the final words of the Olympic broadcast or is it just whatever comes to you in the moment? Well, we definitely do. When we go off the air on the Olympics, that is uh, that's something that you hope will uh, reflect what the 17 days were. That if somebody dropped down from Mars in 30 years, hopped on YouTube and watched how we closed the Olympics, it would give them a sense in two or three minutes of what this experience was like. 
So it is something that I've thought about already the last couple of days and we'll sit down and put words to paper and uh, we have some great people who work on our show on the editorial side and I'll use their guidance as well and have them kind of add their thoughts and we'll kind of mash it all together and we'll find the right pictures and the right moments. Now, there's always a video that goes off um, at the end of the broadcast that shows five minutes of the emotional moments which everybody loves to watch over and over. I want to make sure that the two, two and a half minutes that we have before that really is intentional and really summarizes what these games were about, what we learned, and what's ahead. Because the world is still going to be in an altered state, and we have a very different Olympics coming up in Beijing in six months. So it's a tight turnaround for the people for whom the Olympics are their lives. And uh, I, I think for a lot of folks in America, they're not ready for that just yet. It's like, oh, wait, really? The Olympics are coming up again in six months? So. Yes, we'll take our time. We'll try to make sure that we have the right words so that if you pop that on in 20 years, you'll get a sense of what being in Tokyo in 2021, when it was Tokyo 2020, uh, what that was really all about. The excitement continues this summer in Tokyo with the 2020 Paralympic Games. 540 events in 22 sports will award gold medals to some incredible athletes. Catch names like wheelchair rugby player Chuck Aoki on In the Village, our sister podcast, tomorrow morning, as well as 16-time Paralympic Olympian Tatiana McFadden on the May 11th episode of The Podium. Continue to watch sports history unfold by watching the Paralympics on the networks of NBC. This podcast is presented by Nordatrack from iFit. The Podium is produced by NBC Sports Audio in collaboration with Boombox Group. Executive producers are Gary Zenkel, Molly Solomon, Sam Flood, and TJ Walker. Coordinating producers are Rebecca Chapman, Dave Gable, and Eileen Sokol. Written and produced by Roman Lettuce Dopnier. Music supervising, sound editing, voice directing, and additional writing by Jordan Weiberg. Location audio engineer is Tobias Haynes. Producers are Eric Hamilton and Tess Quinlan. Associate producer, Sam Tidings and Yana Bowen. Our editorial researchers are Barbara Poscancer and Dylan Howlett. Additional talent contributions from Mary Carrillo and Ahmed Farid. A special thanks to Joe Jeshu, Gio Carpedian, Ron Vaccaro, Dave Gable, Derek Shear, Lewis Clark, Jake Gellerman, Justin Karp, Rich Zuckerman, John Cartuccio, Matt Patolsky, Tess DeMeyer, Joe Schwert, Anne-Marie Blanco, and Tara Stiller. And I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. <laughs>